Hello and welcome back to the NedPro podcast. My name is James Bradfield. I'm one of the deputy co-leads within our global innovation panel. This is part two of a discussion between two of our members, Shane McAuliffe and Elaine McEninch. So far, they've been discussing a paper titled Exploring the Provision of Diabetes Nutrition Education by Practice Nurses in Primary Care Settings. The paper was authored by Gianfresco and Johnson. It was first published in December 2019 in the Journal of Human Nutrition and Dietetics. In part one, they discussed whether the paper reflects the national picture when it comes to diabetes education, where the responsibility lies for educating practice nurses about nutrition, the danger of working within silos rather than as part of a multidisciplinary team, structured education programs, the role of technology, and many, many more topics. In this episode, however, they'll get down to more of the practicalities, after which Shane and I had a quick chat about the paper and what we've learned from it. If you haven't yet listened to part one, I would highly recommend it as it sets the scene really nicely for this part two, where Elaine delves a little bit further into her professional experience. I think um, knowing where to signpost it, there's so much information out there. I think sometimes it's hard to pick apart reliable and um, use the term evidence-based um, yeah. information. And I, I suppose because there is so much, it's hard to sometimes wade through that and and find what what you can put into practice and as i said be be that exactly reliable um for, i suppose the the question that begs is um where do we go next what do you see yeah, as, yeah. as next steps I, I know not a not an easy question to answer but mm-hmm. through what you've seen and and what's available at the moment what do you see as being the next step um to to bring this practice forward yeah, yeah, definitely. But I can give you an example, actually, of uh, uh, exercise that we've developed as part of our culinary medicine course. So we're teaching UCL medical students at the moment how to have these first line conversations and trying to build their confidence around some of the simple nutrition messaging. So what we get them to do is we get them to go and have a look um, across Diabetes UK website as a starting point, but they can have a look on any website that they want to. And we give them, okay, so just find like two or three tips that you'd pass on to your patient on meals, snacks, exercise, making a plan or losing weight. And they come back to us with their top tips. And the feedback that we get is, oh, I never looked on this website before. And actually, this is really helpful. This is stuff that I could really uh, see me translating to my patients in clinic. So sometimes just getting people to have a look at what's there uh, can really build their confidence to signpost people because I think there's a lot of scare stories and half truths and people are, are really worried about saying the wrong thing so I think in the, the education has to engage health professionals actually looking at what's there with a critical eye but also looking at it with opportunity and, and, and seeing what's there already so we have to look at ourselves basically what's out there uh, in order to to signpost our patients better uh so so for me it's education 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 but uh we need to engage staff in a way that that is time time efficient but also uh is an engaging and interesting experience for them as well so uh as i uh came 
coming back to one of the points I made at the beginning is just uh, having that protected time to uh, to meet up to to for, for for doctors, nurses, dietitians to meet up together to talk about the pathways of nutrition, the first line information, and when to refer on. Um, Perhaps also uh, the, the role of social prescribing. We haven't talked about that. So social prescribing and the community services, brilliant community services that are available out there, community kitchens, exercise on referral programs. So, uh, yeah, it, 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 there's so much out there. It's just joining the dots of what's there already so, so that we can make sure that patients get access. That's it. I think it's about uh, creating that awareness. And, and the only way that comes is is through open dialogue, as you touched on at the start, between professions um, and between yeah. different disciplines within the healthcare system. Um, I, I think something you've you've touched on as well is, is a potential role for for dietitians in this process. And you mentioned onward referral options. Um, yeah. wh- where does that stand at, at the moment? Is there is there a role for dietitians to perhaps lead or to to contribute to training and upskilling um, other healthcare professionals in nutrition? From what yeah, you see, yeah, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So uh, the really exciting thing is having dietitians now part of the GP contract. So uh, so essentially, um, GPs can employ dietitians directly to work with their practices and their patients. And, uh, you know, even moving towards having dietitians as a frontline service for, for mainly lifestyle related conditions. So, so, so diabetes would be a perfect example for that. But obviously, there's still not that many of us in order to make that happen. Um, so I think that's my kids shouting in the background. I do apologize. That's OK. <laughs> I'm professional. Uh, uh, yeah, so so uh, I, I think great if if we're actually working within surgeries there's a real lack um, from my experience anyway of of dietitians working directly in primary care and I I think just having a presence in in that area where you can have those more informal over lunch conversations about okay what do you think about this Uh, then we can start to uh, get a fit hold I guess and 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 to start to very quickly I think demonstrate the value that we can have not just in just patient facing consultations but also in education and upskilling just being a, a good resource for for practice nurses to tap on tap in um I do think we have to be a little bit careful because we uh, have to be respectful to practice nurses who are working in this area already. So, you know, we we don't have the numbers for a start, but we can't go in like, okay, stand aside. We're here to do the nutrition education here now. I don't think that's the right way to go. But I think that that definitely we could be uh, helping, helping, to keep up to date with the offers and the new evidence as it comes on board, particularly think about the diabetes permission trials. It's just a perfect example. Uh, and I may be producing information that's area specific on nutrition education for, for, for the population that's there as well. I, I'm keeping up to date with all the options for referral, um, audit and, and monitoring of 
the situation and, and, and the impact that that can have. So, so many opportunities. And uh, I think it's a bit of a game changer, actually. I'm just really hoping that that opportunity is seized and that, that we uh, can see more dietitians working directly with primary care. So, yes, so that's the answer, I think, the answer to everything. More dietitians in primary care. <laughs> uh, yeah, flying the flag for, for dietitians yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, uh, not forgetting the important role of everybody else. Of course, and I think something you touched on there in terms of that informal learning is something that can be so beneficial, <laughs> even if it's just creating conversation or a little bit of awareness around the profession, uh, each profession, I think, and, and that interrelated learning between professions which is so so important just to spark conversation and familiarity I think with um with those services and and with those aspects of people's care um uh, the last question uh, for you Elaine relates a little bit more to to formal education and and tying in NEDPRO to all of this um yeah, sure. what role do you see for NEDPRO in contributing to this conversation to this um, to this issue, to this potential upskilling and education process. I think it's testament to the the level of expertise and the people we have to draw on to, for me to be able to have this conversation with you tonight. And, and undoubtedly, there are other people within the group who, who'd have such valuable um, pieces to contribute. What role do you see for, for NEDPRO in, in moving this process forward? That's a really good question because I think that we're in a perfect position actually to to take this forward because uh, NEDPRO's uh, I think it's described as a, a broker of knowledge so so uh, um, a standard setting really of where the current state of play is in terms of the knowledge and uh, of nutrition and, and diabetes and health so I think that keeping that that standard setting but also the practical application of education too so yeah. so we've been working on the NEP help program so, uh, so so the point is 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 that we actually started nutrition education with doctors because that was where the grant had come from I believe I wasn't involved in the grant process. Um, but that's my understanding. So, so, so teaching uh, first line um, messages around nutrition and a little bit about the research and how to translate that, as we talked about earlier. Yeah. But really quickly, we realised that this is not just about doctors; it's about the whole team. So, I think that taking that model that we have tested within um, doctors, we've now tested it within GPs, and we've started to test this within multi-professional audiences uh, where uh, we have nutrition experts going into places of work to upskill in this education and you know just trying to get everybody up to the same level playing field on where they're at so, so I think that we could really meet practices in a practical way in, in going into uh, localities in order to move that forward so uh so face-to-face so -face education perhaps I, I can see a role for ned pro having a sort of train the trainers role as well in terms of uh you, you know not just from the central ned pro group but uh working with local dietitians or, or uh local academics and educators in the area in order to 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 
to give the package of care that we've been testing, the package of education rather, that could be delivered in that area and uh, how we can in the future digitalize this so so we can offer some more e-learning i know that that um james uh, james bradshaw has been working on e-learning package which is fantastic for ned pro so how we can bring that and bespoke that for uh practice nurses as we're talking about today or mm-hmm. or for i think there's going to be a lot of commonality between lots of different professions so perhaps having a, a sort of baseline information that just the sort of the edge of that can be bespoke specifically to that profession uh but uh yeah so um yeah very excited moving forward with all the opportunities that that hopefully i can help to contribute to with ned pro amazing yeah i think as we've touched on there are so many options and it's about utilizing those and, and i think tailoring those specific to if not directly to patient groups, to the people who will be delivering care and translating that education to patients. I think it can be so, so valuable. Um, Elaine, thanks very much for, for coming on to speak. Just before you do go, um, it wouldn't be right of me to, to leave you go without mentioning and congratulating you on the, the culinary medicine launch last night, oh, which was, was such a success by the by the looks of things and the social media coverage I saw. Um, w- would you like to quickly mention um, how it ran last night and, and how things are looking for culinary medicine UK uh, through the rest of 2020? Yeah, so, so yeah, I'm just so buzzing after last night. So we launched our kitchen in, in West Kingsway. So West Kingsway is a culinary arts school. So it's very famous culinary arts school for Jamie Oliver um, and many famous chefs have uh, um, been taught. Uh, so uh, the, the uh, culinary um, um, school and, and the industry in general are looking at how they can improve their health offer. So um, moving away from high fat, high sugar treat foods to think about what well, actually like more and more people are eating out of the home and more and more people are, are requesting healthier foods. So um they became very interested in culinary medicine, uh, which is a program that uh, myself, uh, with that that Rupi, uh, uh, Dr. Rupi had taken over from the states, and uh, um, myself and Abby Sumi, um, Katie Parker, a few of us are now involved. Um, we we got involved uh, to help to translate that to the UK setting. Uh, so we have our kitchen now based in this really prestigious, uh, really cool, fun place to be in the centre of London. And we have our team set up. So, so doctors, dietitians, psychologists, chefs. So uh, the offer is, is that, that we, we feel that, that we're offering a more multidisciplinary, broader look on food and health. And uh and it's just a lot of fun. So, so we uh, we we cook a meal together uh, when we have students. We're, we're working, as I think I said, with UCL medical students at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, they come into the kitchen. We talk about a case study, and they cook for that case study, thinking about all the barriers and all the difficulties that come with eating healthy for that particular case, and think about the nutritional value of food 
in in terms of what's appropriate for for different medical conditions and then we we top it up by talking right okay so you've got five minutes how are you going to weave this into your busy clinical life and what are the simple structures that you can use what are the signposting options that you have so it, it's more of a, a a sort of brainstorm practical way to uh, to educate around nutrition and to make it relatable and fun that's fantastic that, yes that was a yeah I think you've, you've certainly staked your claim for the benefit of it but in all seriousness I, I think practical application of uh, nutrition skills and nutrition knowledge through those means are so so um there's such a big a big place for them and could prove to be so valuable I think what's really interesting about that as well is that what you seem to be doing is taking it outside just the scope of healthcare professionals and healthcare professionals and healthcare practice, I suppose, um, and widening that as far as industry and the service industry and drawing on the expertise of chefs. Again, I think just widening the scope of, of the message and the involvement of, of other disciplines in, um, in working towards the same goal. So I think that's, that's really, really interesting. Uh, the enthusiasm is unbelievable so we really need to broker that and and tap into that and uh you know think about how we can use all of this enthusiasm and goodwill to move us forward um i i i think it, it, we don't have to talk about food is important in health anymore i think actually the conversation has moved on and across all disciplines and lots of different sectors of society people see food as being one of the most important thing for health but the problem is the confidence in order to translate that so what I think we need to be working on now is just improving confidence confidence to have a conversation confidence that you can actually make an improvement with your health and confidence on what to do how to cook mm -hmm. these practical elements I think are really really key Fantastic. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think it seems to be such a such an exciting time of innovation, be that um, practical applications, like we've said, or with utilizing technology, things like that. It seems to be a really interesting and exciting time in, in the diabetes space. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how that develops and I'm very excited at the thought of initiatives like NEPHELP and Culinary Medicine and, and NEDPRO's role in contributing to, to this being brought forward. So um, I, I think that's probably a good place to leave it. Elaine, thanks very much for your time tonight, as I've said, for taking the time out to speak to us. Um, and yeah, keep up the good work. I'll, I'll make sure to uh, to keep an eye on Culinary Medicine and um, NEPHELP and how these programs are rolling forward. Um, I'm sure 2020 will be a very exciting time for, for these programs to, to continue to roll on. Definitely. Exciting times. Thanks very much. Lovely to talk to you. Okay, so Shane, obviously you had quite a long, detailed discussion with Elaine, covered lots of topics, lots of different areas, some of the more theoretical, some of the more practical elements. So thinking about the paper as a whole and the original idea of the journal club what would you say your main sort of learning points or the main things that you've taken away from the discussion would be definitely i think it was great to get a chance to speak with elaine as i alluded to at the start to i suppose back up from someone on the front line their experiences and seeing that 
this is not something that's just confined to that paper, but it's something that's a very real consideration yeah. um, in primary care and, and in practice. In terms of what we take and the lessons we take about moving forward, I think Elaine said it herself during our conversation, it's about education and how that's going to be done. She made some really interesting points around and things that she's done herself in practice through her own nutrition education background around signposting and yep. si- simply creating awareness for resources. And I think it's something we've often said is that not everybody needs to be an expert in nutrition, Definitely. but at a minimum to know where to look, as she said herself, by signposting medical students to somewhere like Diabetes UK and some of the excellent resources they have, it yeah. completely changed the way they f- their confidence and the way they felt about talking to to patients exactly and i suppose it gives them a little bit of confidence as well when you hear people saying look you don't need to be an expert in this you don't need to know everything about medicine everything about nutrition everything about all the different aspects of healthcare that there are because there are people whose job it is to do that but again knowing where that information is where they can find it where they can engage with it and hopefully it gives the wider NDT a better appreciation for the individual roles fulfilled by people Definitely. then as well. And, and that's something Elaine said herself around signposting not just to resources but onward referrals. So whether yeah. onward referral is to nutrition experts being dietitians, whether onward referral is to, she's talked about social prescribing, to services that are available, but I think the point that she was making is that there's a lack of awareness around all of these things. So that's resources that's prescribing to other services and that is onward referral to other healthcare professionals so i think what she seems to be suggesting and what's quite obvious from the paper is there needs to be more open dialogue and yeah. more conversation between these different members of, of the mdt to deliver a, a more comprehensive service i suppose yeah and i suppose it comes back to very often things do come back to an mdt focus and you know people call it a holistic approach mm-hmm. or people call it at the end of the day it's all patient centered because it's all working towards the one goal yeah. but obviously from different aspects and i think bearing in mind as well you know not not working just within our own silos but interacting with for example in this situation um a dietitian and a diabetes specialist nurse mm-hmm. obviously keeping the gp or the consultant whoever it is um up to date and in in conversations as well i think from an outsider's point of view or somebody who wasn't directly involved in the conversation it's really clear that there was a lot of enthusiasm from from both of you really yeah. both for the education the subject matter itself um and everything i think something that was really interesting and really important that elaine mentioned as well was ned pro's role of training the trainers mm-hmm. so for anyone who isn't really aware of, of of all the things that we do a lot of what ned pro does is about sort of I suppose planting a seed and allowing them to go on and give that information elsewhere Definitely. so things like the summer school which unfortunately has had to be postponed or, um, for this year for mm-hmm. for the coronavirus and everything that's going on but you know even our, our online learning that elaine mentioned and the idea is not so much that we have to train everyone ourselves but that if we train 10 people or 20 people that dissipates through yeah. the community well, then as well. it sparks conversation as well and that's exactly the point we're trying to get home is that um by creating that conversation and that dialogue between people and NetHelp is a great example of that which elaine touched on in our chat in terms of giving those messages to doctors and GPs, potentially taking that a step further now. And as Elaine had said, going into individual practices and, and then seeing that effect radiate out elsewhere. Yeah. So I think it's so important just to spark that 
and when that awareness is created you'll start to see a ripple effect through hopefully yeah and I, I suppose as well maybe a group that we haven't talked about quite as much specifically as the patients themselves mm-hmm. and anytime you give them education anytime you provide information and again there's no reason you can't direct them to these resources and extra learning and places like that Absolutely. they become their own advocates they become more i suppose empowered to, for their own health their own care and everything like that as well which is can only be a good thing yeah i think that's evident in the desmond lay educator study which was mentioned in our yeah. chat as well showing how much power and, and how much responsibility you can actually give patients themselves to yeah. take real ownership of their condition and then i suppose see those let those effects move through their own groups and yeah and allow them to provide that education as well i think what you said about signposting patients to resources as well themselves yes hugely important but i think we need to equip healthcare professionals with resources that they can signpost patients to so not just for their own yeah. knowledge but also to direct patients and say if you'd like to read further here's where you need to look yeah exactly and I think that it seems to be a a gap in that at the moment and maybe a lack of confidence to do so definitely and almost have a sort of a, a, a tiered signposting where we're signposting i suppose the the professionals the nutrition professionals and people working within it towards one level of evidence and exactly. resources and then you can have your public facing um you know patient-centered resources as well on top of that as well which is fantastic um i think it is important and i know elaine touched on it as well to to know that you know we're not trying to say that we want to go in and change everything that practice nurses are doing because obviously they're doing a fantastic job up and down the country but obviously just just kind of helping them and uh giving a little bit of more support support, tailored approach and everything yeah exactly just i run a couple of things by you as well shane because we heard from elaine afterwards and i think it was much like any conversation that you have with enthusiastic people they come afterwards and say oh i didn't say this and i didn't say that so she has raised a couple of things that she didn't touch on in the discussion um that she wanted to mention so one is the discussing carbohydrates in much more detail with patients so obviously it's something that's very topical at the moment but something that elaine has sort of highlighted as a big talking point or a big thing to consider is that everyone's coming from a different starting point and while we might be telling people to reduce their carbohydrate portions for example is probably the first thing that people do is that people are all starting from a very different place Mm -hmm. and how it's so important to tailor that then and to say well you know based on what you're having at the moment this is kind of the suggestion that we'd make whether that's a portion specifically in terms of the the volume on the plate or weighing things out and all that kind of thing as well exactly i think it's so open to interpretation at the moment and we well carbohydrate in particular in diabetes obviously and we've mentioned that that it would have been opening up a whole other can of worms you could have a separate podcast yeah and, and well, ho- hopefully with at some point yeah exactly yeah to, to deal with that issue but i think we've talked about different levels of um education and signposting to different audiences i think you have to take patients on an individual basis yeah. and see where they're at in terms of their understanding and their definition particularly around something like carbohydrate because there's so much information out there recommending what level of carbohydrate is appropriate for diabetes so yeah. i think signposting to quality resources of which there are many is very important in yeah. that in that context and you're going back to the signposting then again exactly yeah. so it's about knowing where to look and what to tell people because i think with carbohydrate 
advice, carbohydrate, modulation, specifically, it's so open to interpretation and it's really important to understand what someone's definition of a lower carbohydrate diet is yeah. before they implement it rather than giving a blanket statement of you should reduce your carbohydrate because the way people understand that is very, very different. Absolutely. And even Elaine sort of, sort of mentioned here as well in terms of the variation in glycemic response so that two people could do the exact same thing, be starting from the same point and do the same Absolutely. intervention, we'll call it, but actually have completely different outcomes that might be modulated by the microbiome, by gut motility, by hormonal influences, adipose tissue, any number of things that is almost impossible to, to sort of account for which then makes it i suppose frustrating from one point of view but from a practice point of view quite rewarding then as well because obviously it's it's like a puzzle every time and it's yeah. it's something to consider each yeah. time i think that's very valuable i mean even with all the uncertainty around it and the nuance that surrounds it there is still concrete advice that we can give definitely that people can take away from and i think moving towards food-based dietary guidelines or dietary advice is a really important way to do that and focusing yeah. on diet quality over diet quantity in, in many cases in terms of carbohydrate in particular and funnily enough this was a, a topic of discussion in, in the journal club a little bit after myself and Lane had spoken if you look at something like PrediMed where yeah. they've analysed data post that and there's one particular study which is quite interesting and I'm sure we can link to after yeah. where they look at carbohydrate quality in particular and what they've done in this study is developed a carbohydrate quality index based on a number of um, health promoting factors of carbohydrates, which is important to remember as well that there are, I won't say good and bad carbohydrates, that might seem a little yeah. bit drastic, but that there are... Well, I suppose there's likely to be, to be certain carbohydrates that are going to have a greater effect, for example, on glycemic um, variation, we'd mm -hmm. say. And there, again, you know, something that Elaine said in this follow-up email that the replacing nutrient is really, really important. And I think that's yeah. kind of what we were getting at there in terms of exactly. the quality as well as the quantity. So she said, for example, you know, if you are replacing your carbohydrates with a huge amount of, say, for example, saturated fat, and I know that's a whole new can of worms to go into, yeah. but it's different to going towards a diet that is still rich in fruit and veg, nuts, you know legumes lean protein and that kind of thing and again it's just the nuance in it is is so varied and overly simplified messages some of those particularly fruits and vegetables and things like that with that are significantly associated with um you know beneficial effects on health sometimes that can get lost in translation when people yeah. here cut out or remove carbohydrates in particular um some of those foods may maybe get get lost in the middle of all that definitely and it, you know we the, 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 i suppose one of the more important points that elaine sort of just kind of threw in at the end of an email but it's it's arguably the most important thing when we're talking about diabetes the way we have been doing for the last last while or whatever is that we don't actually need now to necessarily think of and discuss diabetes as a progressive condition that things like the direct study yeah. Which I think you mentioned briefly at some point. Yeah, you again, touched upon. Delve into the specifics of those. Yeah. Really interesting. Again, in, in terms of whole podcasts, you could do a series on it. Exactly. But it is it's really important, and you know we got to go to the at the beginning of March, so the beginning of this month, we went to an event in London held by the Royal Society of Medicine and NutriTank, yeah. and you know there was quite a lot of discuss uh, discussion around 
giving patients hope and that kind of thing as well and yeah, how that's so important definitely it was peter foley dr peter foley GP yeah who spoke about that and it's an amazing thing to think that you can speak with your patients and do exactly that give them hope and yeah. say this is possible this it is possible to put your diabetes into remission that and here's how exactly and here's an example of how you can do it i think that's amazing to to show the power that these kind of interventions can have and and the possibilities they can give patients to to work towards 100 percent, yeah 100 percent. right so on top of all of this discussion shane do you want to give a little bit of information maybe on sort of the things that you're working on yourself with nedpro at the moment or the things that you're involved in yeah um well it's i suppose it's quite hard given the the situation at the moment around coronavirus and um, COVID nineteen being all encompassing really at the minute, it's it's hard to get away from anything but that. And as a result, our focus as an organisation has has changed largely um, changed, yeah. And we'll do for the next number of months. Specifically, um, we have been developing a microsite, a dedicated um Nedpro microsite. For resources, uh, international guidance, uh, some good educational pieces. Linking to all the different regional networks and that as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we've tried to provide quite a good base of information for people there. That's something that we've really been working hard on. We've only just yesterday released a blog on combating COVID-19. It's 10 key tips surrounding nutrition and kind of wider lifestyle measures to contribute to well-being brilliant uh, that's something we've been working hard on and continuing to to push towards uh, some further publications in the bmj nutrition professional health journal brilliant so lots of work going on at the watch moment. watch this space for the time being exactly it should be a very comprehensive overview of nutrition related covid nutrition related interactions and there's going to be some interesting case studies to come out as well so that's definitely worth keeping an eye on super moving forward you said it earlier about the summer school so it, it looks like well our operation for the moment have all moved online following suit with uh with many others and, and with the the guidance globally and nationally of course yeah and um, so yeah quite interesting to see how, how the landscape things will change particularly with the summer events and the plans we had over the coming weeks and months so yeah plenty of work to be done plenty of work to be done plenty of time to be recording podcasts so no excuses from this yeah, end really is there in, yeah, yeah the next couple of weeks. brilliant shane thank you very much for for this conversation but also for a really interesting talk that you had with elaine and um hopefully we have you back on this on the podcast soon rather than later pleasure really enjoyed it cheers Thanks. shane